Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a mom of three kids, ages two, five, and seven, and I live in Southern California. And I'm Megan. I am the mom of five kids, ages six through 17, and I live in Michigan. This is the Mom Hour, part of the Life Listened Network. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 63 of the Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis here, as always, with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. How are you? I'm great. I'm kind of excited about this topic. After we did the last episode, which was things we wish we wouldn't have freaked out about the school years, I believe we called it. Yeah, starting school. Starting school. Um, I got at least one comment, maybe more than that, saying they wish that we had talked more about older kids. Yes. And... Since your kids aren't older, (laughs) I guess it just didn't really occur to us. But then we kind of thought it'd be fun to do an episode where Sarah kind of grills me about the, you know, the down and dirty facts of raising middle schoolers. And it doesn't have to be about school itself. um, Right. But just a lot of stuff starts like their bodies change and things become a little more intense. So I hope Sarah has a whole list of questions. And I I know, you know, things Sarah might freak out about in a couple of years. (laughs) That would be that would take way longer than 45 minutes, obviously. And I want to also say that because I'm still so thickly in it and two of my kids, you know, were only middle schoolers a few years ago. um, I'm not totally out of the freaking out phase, but I'm getting there. You know, I I haven't. Yeah, I haven't seen it all play out yet with all of them enough to be like, whew. I love that. um, I'm sure we'll get into this, too. But your very best bestie in the whole world is a middle school teacher, too. And I love having that. I love having teacher friends or like people who are on the inside of a world I know nothing about. So and she actually loves middle schoolers. Well, Which, I feel like middle school teachers do. That's yeah. like because they're they drawn should. to it. They have to. So, well, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we'll be um, mentioning Jenna's name a few times. Yeah. And um, yeah, I can't wait to to pick your brain. Um, yeah. So I wanted to mention before we get going that we still have a giveaway going that we talked about last week. Um, and this one, this giveaway is geared toward you mamas of littler ones, toddlers and preschoolers. So if you haven't caught last week's episode, go listen because it'll be worth your time. It's a great giveaway. And if you listen and just forgot to enter, you have until Wednesday, August 10th at midnight 
Um, so if you're catching this one right as it comes out, you've got a day or so to enter and um, all the details are at themomhour.com and look for episode 62. That's last week's um, just to catch up. Don't want people to miss that opportunity no. if they meant to, because it's a really good one. Um, it was a fun episode. So, um, but yeah, let's do, should we do our regular segment before we launch into middle schoolers? Yeah. Um, we gonna, so like yes, I actually don't up. know what's been going on with you lately. Our summer recording, first of all, pause. Let's give ourselves a big high five for not Yeah, no kidding. We haven't missed week, a week at all. all. And we've been both on vacation. Yeah. I was gone for two full weeks. I don't know how we did it, actually. I, you know, I'm, I look back and I'm just amazed at us. We're awesome. I know. Um. We've been kind of light on the social media and promoting our podcast, so people may have forgotten that we yeah. exist. But we, we did been, check out a little bit, but that's we've okay. Been we've been yeah. recording, so great. Good for us. Yeah, so what? Um, you guys haven't traveled for a couple of weeks now, right? Not so really. Um, we've, you know, I went to Chicago for some work and, you know, hung out with some people and did fun stuff like that, but we haven't been on a trip and so everybody we won't. just in a normal routine, yeah that's why it seems like, like nothing's routine. happening it seems like nothing's happening because we're not going anywhere we're not packing we're not doing anything so <laughs> we're just you know getting caught up on stuff so Is, are the kids doing summer camps still um no the let's see um isaac has cross-country camp and then he's actually going to a second city comedy camp in chicago oh, that's awesome. at the end of the summer which i'm really excited about and can't wait to talk about that when he gets back um, the other kids are just kind of doing, you know, like football camps and stuff like that. What Owen and Will are both playing football this year. So okay. they're kind of gearing up for that. And that's kind of it. Um, no, like it's just been really relaxing, which is nice. We need it. And the next yeah. time we travel will be the end of the summer. Um, okay. the very I last know. week of summer. This is my end Labor of Day. the summer. That's like that's, I know. We're entering that weird time of year where half the people are back and others yeah. are like, you know. We're not even close. We still have close to a month. So Okay. And what is this aerial yoga photograph? That I, <laughs> I feel like you've posted this once before, but I yeah. never actually heard you talk so about I it. So I had some, so basically what it is, and it's so funny. I saw the Michael Jackson one show. It's a Cirque okay. du Soleil show in yeah. Vegas last year. And I had never had any interest in Cirque du Soleil. My friend calls it Cirque du Soleil. I was kind of thinking it was going to be kind of really cheesy and new agey and dumb. Right. I don't know what I was thinking. I like aerial, you know, acrobatics and all that stuff. So um, anyway, it was this Michael Jackson tribute show that has all this dancing and circ performance. And it was amazing. And there was okay. this woman who did, you know, did the thing with the silks. So she went all the way to the top and it was like, okay. you know, yeah, 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 really high in the air. And then she like rolled her body all the way down it. And I was like, oh my gosh, if I could like go back in time and have a different career <laughs> than the one and also be in much better shape than I am. I would totally do that. Well, at the same time, this yoga teacher that I know who taught yoga classes that um, I went to that she used to be at my, at my current gym. Now she's at a different gym, posted on Facebook that she was teaching aerial yoga. And the silks are the same, but they're like in a hammock. So you basically, you use the, the silk thing that's like bolted to the ceiling mm -hmm. and suspended to support you in different poses. So it doesn't, you don't have to go upside down. I mean, right. you can use it just to get a better stretch. You can use it to get like your down, like your hips up in a down dog right. or something, right. but you can also go upside down. And we did like a whole bunch of, you know, like you kind of sit in it and then flip back and your legs are wrapped around it. As long as you keep your legs spread out, you can't fall out because your legs stop right. you. Right. Um, and it's really, really, really fun. It's hard. Is it hard? Yeah. I was going to ask if it's like, like hard physically. Well, or... it's. It's slower moving, especially because it was a beginner class. So I had right. taken the class from her, you know, back in April or March or something like that. 
on my own in the class that she already had. And then this time I got a group of friends together and we just paid her like a private fee to oh, just put a class really together for cool. us. Yeah. So it was all people we knew, but she moved the class pretty slow because I was the only one who'd ever done it and I'd only done right. it one time. Um, so it was, it was easier than regular yoga in that it didn't just keep moving really, you know, yeah. There was never that moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to fall yeah, down you're on the mat. <laughs> right. But it, the getting in and out of the poses is harder and right. much deeper stretch. So yeah. I was sweating. I mean, it was hard. Yeah. It just wasn't like super active, um, aerobic type hard. It was just difficult, uh, but fun. But, and not as hard as you think. Like you see those poses right. and you're like, there's no way. And it's not that hard to get into them. And we were all different body shapes and different yeah. levels of fitness and everybody was able to do everything. Well, I think it looks really do. cool. Yeah, uh, listeners, awesome. if you're not following Megan on Instagram, she's Megan Francis, M-E-A-G-A-N Francis. And there is an aerial yoga photograph from recently in yeah. your stream. Um, that sounds really cool. You yeah. Like so how about you? You've yeah. been traveling. Oh, yeah. Your last so, travels of the, I know. of the summer, huh? So we, as of this recording, I got home like an hour and a half ago from our last trip. So this summer ended up kind of funny. It was two big trips. And both the big trips, we got home and turned almost right around for a quick trip up to my parents in Santa Barbara, which in theory is an easy three-hour drive. It's not a big deal. It just so happened that both times we went up there, it was a day to a few days after a bigger trip. So we're like, the suitcase is barely unpacked. Maybe that's okay. You just leave stuff in there. So it kind of made it just like extended those other longer trips. So I guess, yeah, so two weeks ago we were in Rhode Island, which was great. I can't even remember if I mentioned that on last week's show, but it was a beautiful New England beachy week, Mm -hmm. very different from where I live, and it's a really pretty part of the country, and I love it, but it's a long way to go. And then we were home for a few days and went up to Santa Barbara this past weekend. So, yeah, we start school one week next Monday the 15th, so a week from today as of this recording. And my older two kids are starting a brand new school, like it is opening on their first day of school, yeah. which is um, wow. kind of exciting. It's a charter school. Um, there have been a lot of local families who've worked really hard to get it going. I was not in on the, I was not involved in starting the school, but I heard about it kind of shortly after it was officially, you know, underway, um, being developed. And yeah, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, I think risk in a brand new school, but there's also a lot of really excited people. Yeah, like the like teachers are excited, momentum. the families are excited. Yeah. Um, so it will be interesting. So it feels like even more of a, like an anticipation for a new school year because my, you know, it's a, it's a school change for my older two who will be in first and third And it's also a brand new school. Um, So everybody, there's like a Facebook group for the parents. And you can just tell everybody's a little jittery because it's everything's new. Um, I was going to say, is it a particular um, educational philosophy? or? Yeah, it is. It's STEM and STEAM focused. So a lot of hands-on science and technology and arts learning. And then they're taking, it is not called a Montessori school and it's not that's not the only philosophy they're using, but they are borrowing a lot of the things I like about Montessori. My kids have all gone to Montessori for preschool and then Reed stayed for kindergarten, but they're um, doing mixed stage classrooms, which is one of my favorite things about Montessori having, yeah, I like that too. Um, not, you know, it's not going to be like K through four in one classroom, but it will be K one and two, three and yeah. um, kids having the opportunity to be either the older or the younger, whichever is a better fit for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and to kind of learn, I don't know, learn at their own pace is such a cliched phrase because you can do that in a lot of different ways, but um, not teaching 32 first graders the exact same math concept, right. for example, being able to 
differentiate a little bit on either end, depending on what they need. So there's a lot of things I'm really, yeah, I'm really excited about. Um, but again, it's, there's, it's, there's going to be growing pains at like any new business or any new. So it's a little bit, we all know, we all know Sarah likes to know exactly what to expect. (laughs) So (laughs) no, yes, it's a leap of faith. Oh, and it does go through eighth grade. That's since we're going to talk about middle school today, that's one thing, um, moving Allegra in third would be, I, I think differently about it if it were just going to fifth, which our elementary right. schools around here, you know, stop at fifth and then middle school picks up at sixth. But this is a K-8. So, um, it, you know, as long as it works out and that's our school that we stay at, she will continue right on through middle school. I always uh, have liked that. Um, yes. That's uncommon around here. It was very common in Chicago and that was the one thing I okay. really liked about the yeah. Chicago schools is but. I feel like it's I, – I just like the idea of keeping kids together that long, especially because like those middle school years are tough. Yeah. Yeah, and you can you can always sort of have different things that they do and maybe like a school within the school that is the middle school. But, yeah, not having to drop everything and move right. campuses. And, yes, exactly. Yeah, so that was a um, – it seems like the privates and the charters around here are K-8, but public schools are still K-5 through five and then 6th, 7th, 8th, and middle. So, Yeah. Is that so, a good segue? Should we now like yeah, let's launch go. our topic? Let's okay. Let's go into middle school. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code MOMHOUR5050 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product, Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. 
listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Um, all right. Well, do you want to just kind of start, or do you want me to start with a question? Well, I think I'll, I'll just kind of, for anyone who might not know, I'll just kind of sum up yeah. where I'm at. Yeah. Um, so I am on my third middle schooler. William is going into seventh grade. Jacob and Isaac both finished middle school several years ago. Yeah. Um, and I guess, I mean, there were things about it that surprised me and things that weren't as scary as I thought they were going to be and things that were harder than I thought. Let's just, okay. I'm going to sum it all up and I'm, you can ask me specific questions or, you know, I'm sure those things, there are things I'll think of while we're talking that I'll yeah. want to jump in on. But like, what are your burning middle school questions? Well, I guess, um, the and first this, thing uh, we I should thought- probably also say that this, we may wander into topics that aren't as, um, G rated. Oh. Yeah, as, a little friendly. Yeah, just yeah. as just a warning. I mean, I'm going to keep yeah. it clean, but there's you know, yeah, human sensitive. bodies involved here, so yes. there could be some sensitive talk. So. There are changing human bodies involved. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Actually, that was not the first thing that popped into my mind, but I want to get to that. The first yeah. thing that that I think the very first thing that popped to my mind when we started talking about this was going from a small pond to a big pond, and that was my experience personally in middle school. And I don't know how your schools work, but we had a lot of elementary schools public feeding into, um, in our whole city, there were three junior highs, but the one I went to was the biggest. So, I mean, the difference in the size of my class and my classrooms and my overall school from elementary to junior high was, I don't know, a factor of 10. Like, I mean, really a big difference. And um, just that feeling of going from being the top of the elementary school and everybody knowing you to being to going to being a very small fish in a very big pond so maybe I guess my first question is how did your boys is is that something that even seemed to be an issue for them or well I will okay so our school only feeds in only three only three elementaries okay feed in so it's three times as big okay Um, I will say I will say they do a really good job at this school of keeping the sixth graders kind of separate so so the first sixth graders are the first year of Oh, yeah, that's the first year of middle school. And the school just seems to do a really good job of kind of sheltering them a little bit from the bigger kids. They have their own hallway and they have their own lunchtime. It's like, so they, it's not like suddenly they're just dumped into this enormous school um, where now they have to grapple with the eighth graders who are huge compared to them. I mean, sixth graders still look like children, little guys. And, you know, the eighth graders look like ready for high school. So that wasn't really the biggest issue. What was interesting here, you know, we're, I'm in one small town that has one school district right. and three elementary schools. And even though we are a very, tend to be a pretty homogenous from the outside, it's like maybe 11,000 people in our city, um, not super diverse mm-hmm. in any way. There is, each school does have its own flavor. So we are downtown and our school is the one that if there were one that were more diverse, mm-hmm. this would be it. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's in town, it, it encompasses like a more diversity of housing types. Right. Pretty much all the rentals are down here. So it's just, right. it's a little bit different. Right. And then there's the school that's kind of out by where the housing developments are. And that tends to be a more affluent Mm-hmm. Um, community of kids and then there's like the country school I mean it sounds so corny to say that but it just kind of is it's like just this a little bit more of like a country school right. and so what I think is interesting and cool um is then like you're with not just with more kids but you're with different kinds of kids yes and all the kids are coming in with different 
you know, this is when like sports really starts to get big and stuff. So mm-hmm. like kids are coming in with, I guess, higher expectations and, um, it just, spe- it starts to become more apparent, like whose parents are paying a lot more for things like lessons and <laughs> opportunities and have the resources to do that. And so it can start to feel like you start to feel those differences a little mm-hmm. bit more, at least I do as mm-hmm. a parent. Um, mm-hmm. and I think now, you know, you know, this is when William will say things like, oh, can we live in X housing area or, hey, mom, are we going to get a boat? Stuff like that. And I'm like, well, uh, you know, we'll talk about right. it. Um, right. It hasn't really been a big issue. The other thing that's been interesting with my kids is they've all kept the same friends. So they've all added yeah. new friends, but they've really hung on to the friends they made in elementary school. I think that that was maybe comforting for them. So like them oh. having those little three or four solid friendships mm-hmm. helped them a lot in middle school, in middle school. And that seems to be the case with William as well okay okay so yeah does that answer your question yeah I think so and I think remembering too that it may be a bigger school but yeah having those smaller relationships and they're still going to have you know relationships with their teachers and like you said sixth grade I think that's nice that sixth grade stays and I've heard that that's pretty common these days I think that middle schools that's probably why they do middle schools instead of junior highs now I mean junior highs have really kind of fallen out of right favor it seems and I went to a junior high and that was a really shocking change yeah going from sixth grade to seventh and just being dumped in that was rough so yeah yeah Yeah, no my yeah my yes exactly exactly um so what about academically like I mean do your kids go right from like true elementary like one teacher for one you know for yeah. their whole experience to switching classes right away and how yeah, do they do I, that? I I will say like some of my kids um I feel like they're the elementary was dabbling with team teaching for a while so maybe they'd have like a different teacher for math and science but then right. they'd be with the one but mostly it was your traditional in the same class with the same teacher all year round all right. year long and then going to a middle school where yeah they have five or six different teachers um again I think in sixth grade that's like a really nice for and this is all just my experience I can't speak for anyone else's school district right but for us it was always, it was kind of a nice transitional year like they they babied the kids a little bit yeah um for both of my older boys and you know I'm expecting for William to seventh grade is where stuff gets real Okay. And I've even, you know, Jenna has told me many times, like, she feels sorry for the seventh graders because they have this look like deer in the headlights, but there's not, right. it's kind of like they have to get it because right. you can't just kind of baby right. them all the way up to eighth grade. Right. They have to deal with the new expectations and no one's saying, you know, no, like the teacher's not going to remind them if they right. didn't turn something in, they just won't get right. credit. Right. Or the teacher's not going to kind of coddle them through an assignment the way they would in, you know, fifth right. grade or sixth grade. So. Um, that has been a bit of a transition, you know, William last year struggled a little bit because I think I've talked about the fact that he's the kid who does exactly what's expected right. of him and no more, no more, no less, no more, no less. Right. But I think because he just kind of was expecting it to be a little easier than it was mm-hmm. his just pulling, like just kind of phoning it in didn't really work. And because mm-hmm. he wasn't doing any extra credit or really, you know, so much as participation. We talked about this last mm-hmm. week too. Um, he just wasn't really putting himself out there. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's now kind of the good thing about him is he realizes pretty quickly what's what he needs to do, mm-hmm. and he's pretty diligent about just doing that, just right. just that thing, <laughs> just that one little thing, <laughs> no more. Um, but so yeah, that that I, I'm interested to see how it's going to go. And year. how do you think? I mean, obviously, there's a huge difference in parent-teacher communication and the expectation that kids are, you know, for the most part, advocating for themselves. Yeah. Have your kids sort of 
naturally progress to that or how, like how, what, what do, what can parents expect about parent teacher communication in middle school and junior high? It really depends so much on the teacher. So like in our school, they have my big campus, but I'm not sure that we're using that anymore. I feel like maybe they were going on to some new platform. I am terrible about checking in with those because not, so I'm not even sure I'm using it right, frankly, but I think each kid, depending on what school you're in, you have like a different login. Okay. So the the high schoolers had one and like then the middle schoolers had one. And I just, it's not all in one place. And I have a very hard time like keeping track of all the stuff my kids are supposed to be doing. And I kind of feel like at some point I shouldn't be doing that anyway. Yeah. Um, but I do, but there is something to just, even if, even if I don't really even know what they're supposed to be doing, just something mm-hmm. to me saying, Hey, get your stuff out. And I'm just going to stand here and like kind of watch you do that part right. and act like I know. Yeah. They seem to buckle down and take it a little more seriously. Um, some of the teachers like text all the time. You can sign up for text alerts and email okay. alerts and stuff like that. And some just don't. So okay. I haven't really found an across the board philosophy about that. Well, uh, and I think all. for different parents, like you, you, I think are the type of parent to more stand back. And unless there's yeah. a major issue or your kid is asking for your help, you're going to let them develop that relationship. Exactly. I think probably for parents who have for various reasons needed to be more in touch with teachers at the elementary level, it would be kind of an interesting transition. As we're talking, I'm thinking about the book that I've mentioned now twice in two different episodes by Jessica Leahy, um, The Gift of Failure, because she is a middle school teacher or a junior high teacher. Um, And so a lot of her, a lot of the, the meat of that book deals with, you know, encouraging autonomy and independence um, in that, in this exact age group. And, you know, she went so far as to really suggest that parents who can log in and look at grades that they just don't, or that they Mm -hmm. ask their child's, you know, that they work it out with their kid of like, Hey, how, how often would you like me to check your grades? Or or how about I just ask you? And then if there's some confusion, we'll look together, but you don't play the role of spy, you know, and and then, and then, you know, then you're going to them armed with this information rather than going to them in the first place. And it doesn't give you, it often doesn't give you a really accurate view either, because if the teacher hasn't updated it or if they enter some stuff in and not all of it, or if the kid is going to have a chance to like take a test again, um, it can look wild. Like what's in that grade book can be wildly different from like reality. So I've used it to check in on my kids who I think just are really not doing what they need to be doing. Uh Um, But I don't, like for William, I don't check on it. He'll be fine. Like I'm not worried about it. The times that his grades have not been great um, at some point, like if it's becoming troublesome, a teacher will check in and say, this is what's going on. And then we have a chance to correct course without me, you know, checking every single night and obsessing over this test or like that homework score or whatever. So it's working for, but again, it's so like your miles may vary because it depends so much on the kid and the teachers and your, and your personal comfort level. Right. With letting right. that go so much. So, um, and have you, have you had to like do anything proactive or like, I guess, consciously to give your boys like to let them know that it is their job to be in charge of their assignments or to talk to their teacher? Or is that, does that come down at the school level? I think that's pretty clearly that's come down pretty clearly at the school level. I think the that's teachers good. are pretty good about explaining to the kids what the expectations are. That doesn't mean the kids get it right away. I think right. there's still sort of that shock, like that little culture shock. Like, wait, oh, you know, no one gave me a chance to make this right or whatever. Right. But that's kind of why that cushion is built in, I think. So, you know, yeah, these and grades I mean, aren't going on the permanent records. Right. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully, I mean, again, from Jess Leahy's book and just other things that I've read, hopefully teachers are 
making like those skill sets really as important a part of the curriculum as anything else. I mean, I know a lot of middle schoolers get like a planner, you know, something to write down their assignments in and then they teach them, you know, how to plan out a project or how to manage their assignments. Yeah. Yeah. One thing, one thing I didn't really anticipate, and this is true in, in middle school and in high school, um, was that, see, I was, I remember, and I don't remember which kid it was now, but I remember like that coming down to one of my kids either getting into this harder math class or just kind of going with the regular class. And I was really torn. And, and I think we ended up just pushing him into the regular class because he was struggling a little bit and, mm-hmm. and it just felt like I didn't want to stress him out. Well, what I didn't really think about at the time is that it's not just about the difficulty of the class, but sometimes like who else is in the class. Mm-hmm. So often what, unfortunately often what ends up happening is the lower classes have kids who just aren't really trying as hard right. in them right. unless they're truly remedial and the kids are really getting special help. Often right. it's just kind of those middling classes are the class clowns. I know cause yeah. I was a class clown. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you have a kid who's particularly distractible yeah. or kind of like can be easily influenced by what's right. going on around them, it may be better to put them in the harder class and, um, see how they rise to the occasion mm-hmm. and see if like the peer pressure kind of right. helps them right. try to like, you know, get a leg up and right. maybe become friends with the more studious kids. Right. Um, and then again, that totally depends on the kid. So I probably could have done better with harder classes myself when I was younger, right. because I think it would have made me kind of, you know, try a little harder to stay, to keep up. It's so much uh, yeah. choice involved too. Ugh, I'm thinking from, as much. you transition from the elementary school, I'm trying to remember how, since I don't have a middle school kid, how that worked when I was going into junior high. I mean, there were, we called them gate, which was in California, it's gifted and talented education, but whatever. It's like the advanced classes, but I don't really remember like how you, I think we tested in an elementary school, but I still don't remember having yeah. a, like how we made our choices or if our parents made the, I really have no. Yeah. I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it is, um, is due to, is just decided for the kid. Like, yeah. we, I don't remember us having a ton of choice, especially okay. not in sixth grade. I don't, I right. think the only thing we could choose in sixth grade was like band or choir or gym. Okay. Like those okay. were your, you could choose between those three things. Everything else you either tested or the teacher recommended you for a certain thing. Right. Um, I honestly, and my, you know, my remark about the math class, I can't even remember if that was middle or high school. That could have been high school because at right. high school you have lots more choices. Right. And, yes. That's kind of what yeah. I was thinking too. In seventh grade, you have more than you did in sixth. And in eighth grade, interestingly, is where for us, some of those choices or else where you land started to affect high school, which I, th- I feel like was maybe not explained. <laughs> I didn't get the memo on that one. Um, that like the math class my eighth grader was in would affect what class he could go into in ninth grade, which would affect how far he could get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which in Michigan, you have to do four years of math. So mm-hmm. I actually didn't want them to start as high as possible right. because then you are, you know, you got to do like calculus. calculus. Yeah. And I don't believe that everybody should do calculus. I mean, me neither. So uh, <laughs> I especially believe that I should not do calculus. But so that's just something like, I think sometimes there's something to taking it day by day and being like, I can only worry about what's right in front of me. But I right. kind of wish I had like really understood yeah. that seventh grade is leading to eighth, which is leading to ninth. And it's right. part of this big picture that I could have maybe made it easier on myself if with a little more foresight, I guess. Right. Right. Easier on the kids. So yeah. that was one thing. You know what I have to say about school? The One of the hardest things or the biggest uh, culture shock kind of things for me was going to school conferences. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you go to your elementary school teacher conferences and it's like, 
15 minutes of them talking about your kid and how special your kid is. And this is totally, remember last week when I said, I just wanted to hear how special my kid is. But elementary school can be such, especially if your child isn't really having any particular issues. Right. And they're just, you know, they're kind of getting along and everything's going fine. It just becomes like the warm fuzzies. You know, it's just this, like, let's talk about your human and let's talk about his great personality and let's talk about his academic prowess or whatever it is your kid's good at. I feel like elementary school teachers work really hard to highlight that. Yeah. And then you go to to middle school and how it is at our middle school is, uh, and I think this is pretty common, you don't really make an appointment. You just show up and you stand in line. Oh, wow. To whatever teacher you want to go to. So like they're all over the place and you just choose, you don't have to go see them all. You don't have to go at all if you don't want to. Okay. Um, and then you get in that line and you go up and you have like four minutes with that teacher <laughs> who is managing so many more kids. Yeah. Yeah. They like don't even... I think oh, like 100 or 150 is like pretty yeah. standard. Something. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, in October or whenever the first conference is, they don't even necessarily know your kid very well totally. yet. They may not know your kid's name. I mean, they may not be able to yeah. maybe pick them out in a lineup. So it's very mechanical. It's like, oh, you know, so-and-so, Bob Smith, mm, looks like he didn't complete this homework. I'm like, oh, right. well, I could have found that out myself yeah. just looking at And then they tend to kind of go back over whatever the um, whatever the policy is, if there's something you need to know about like, oh, well, Tuesdays are when we study for tests, so you should know that. And then it's like, thank you. And then you leave. And I remember like walking out of my first middle school uh, parent-teacher conference just feeling like so depressed not depressed yeah. just deflated I was like deflated like oh and then I had to go to an elementary school one just to yeah just to give me another boost so that's something to keep in mind just okay Megan like many of our listeners I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore but you know what I realized all of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. 
To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. I, I want to say that when I was in junior high, there were no conferences. I think there was a back to school night, but it was a traditional back to school night where the parents went and they they went through your day's oh, worth yeah. of classes in yeah, the order that, that you would go through them, like a yeah. mock day. And mm-hmm. so they sat down for 10 minutes in each class or whatever mm-hmm. and listen. Yeah, to we do that too. And, and yeah. that is a useful way to know what your kid's dealing with. So um, I like going to those because they're kind of fun, but... Well, I don't want to forget to talk about Jenna's perspective as a teacher. Is there anything you've learned from, because I feel like we're going to veer off from here, but is there anything from you've learned from having your best friend be a middle school teacher about like, what's her inside scoop? She likes middle schoolers, you said. Why yeah. Like- well, okay. Let me say this. Here's one thing I will say. I always thought I didn't like middle schoolers, but then when I had them, I realized I really do like them. And I think I would maybe even like teaching them if I were a teacher. I think what I, when I think of middle schoolers, I think of when I was a middle schooler around other middle schoolers and I thought they stunk then because I was awkward and you kind of felt like you're Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. I was just, I was no good. I was just, I felt awkward and insecure. I felt like everyone was mean. I mean, whether or not that's even true is, you know, so I think Jenna's really good because she really sees the positive in like all kids. So she's one of those teachers everyone loves because, you know, they really do feel special in her class, but she really genuinely, you know, really, and she doesn't, she doesn't sweat stuff that doesn't really matter. She right. isn't all caught up about stuff that isn't a big deal. She's just she her goal. Goofball some yeah, of the time. exactly. And sure. that's, some I think that's what she likes yeah. about yeah. eighth graders in particular is they're still goofy. Yeah. They're, they don't think they're super cool yet. So she yeah. can tell a bad joke and they'll laugh. They like yeah. her. They bring her stuff. I mean, they just, they're, they're not yet to the point where they think they need, they have something to prove. Yeah. Um, and so you know, they'll, they'll be excited if they see her out in public. Whereas yeah. then if she sees them a few right. years later and they're in high school, they might not say yeah. hello. So I think it's part of it. They're just, you know, they're kind of like these big goofballs. You know, well, so. it's funny. I don't know if this is a good comparison. Cause again, I'm not there yet, but I, I feel like I, I felt the same way about toddlers mm-hmm. when you don't like when you have a really cute baby that you can keep their face clean all the time and they don't, you know, embarrass you in public, like toddlers just seem really foreign and horrible to me. And then now toddler parenting is really, really hard. Yeah. But toddlers themselves, when they're yours, are really kind of fascinating. Oh, they're delightful. Creatures. And they they bring a lot of stress, but they also are stinking cute. So I can see how it would be a little bit of the same. When viewed from the outside, you're like, ah, the oil (laughs) and the pimples and like the back talk. But when it's, you know, when you're in it, they're still humans. Is absolutely. Yep. To bring. That's interesting. Um, well, let's talk about awkwardness. Let's yes. go there. Um, okay. This is funny because you and I didn't know we were going to talk about this, but coincidentally, we privately shared with each other our seventh grade school photos a few days ago. Oh my ago. gosh. You, do, you need to put those in the... <laughs> I will. So, Yours okay. is a lot better than mine. I have that to say, but... Well, I think... No, I don't think it's better. I think it's, it's a, a more quality photograph because yours was like from a yearbook. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I don't think... So this is what's so funny about mine. This is a perfect example of like pre-puberty to puberty physical transitions that like the child has no idea are even happening. My sixth grade photo, I have this hair that's straight and I, it was like toward the end of the bangs that like this, the swoopy to the side bangs, kind of like the, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, and actually they look kind of cute and I have this headband on and I look like a kid. I have like, you know, these like cheeks and, and then the next year, which is like 12 months later, 
my hair, now I don't have super curly hair now, but I would say it's like mild to moderately curly if I don't blow dry it. And so that had just started to happen because I had straight hair until puberty. So in my seventh grade picture, I had pulled it half back. The bangs were gone. And then I had pulled it like half up. But then there's this frizz on the side that sticks out like inches off the sides of my temples. And then the part that's hanging down is no longer straight. It's like got these weird kinky waves. And it's just so like I did not know I had curly hair probably for a few more years. Like I didn't get it. And that's just one little physical change that like times that by a thousand that middle schoolers are going through. I guess if I have a question is I would feel like as a parent you kind of want to like protect them from being awkward or from the right. experience of feeling awkward. And I, you just can't, no, right? No, you can't. And, and so from, how do you deal with that as a mom? So, maybe? well, let me talk about my picture really quick, okay. Sarah, because... <laughs> no, answer my question. No, nah, I will. My hair is also... Mine, this is my seventh grade picture. And my hair is half pulled back. Yeah. That morning, I was really working hard to master bang curling because you know, this was 89, I guess. Yeah. 88, 89. And it was... The thing was, you curl your bangs like you put like, and I can remember very specifically. You kind of you you, you kind of break them into like four sections, and then you put a curl in each section, and then you fluff it, mm-hmm. and with a little bit of ratting, because it wasn't really like the huge hair wasn't really out yet. We weren't quite there yet. I think that was more like early '90s almost. It kind of depends where you live too. But yeah. Well, anyway, this was more the puff. This yeah. was more just like that puff, right? Like yes. a poodle puff. And I worked so hard to get it, and I just couldn't. And I was convinced I was unpopular because I could not get my hair to do that. Um, I think I was actually unpopular for a lot of reasons that may have had something to do with my hair. But um, so what? Had, I finally had gotten it down. I had finally figured out how to make my hair do that. And I was so excited. And then I was walking to the bus, and it was like sleeting. And so what ended up happening was the fluff just all matted down and I didn't even have the wherewithal to, I guess, go to the bathroom and fix it. I don't know. It looked like I just stumbled in out of the rain. The picture looks, I look like a wet dog. So that picture just, it's so perfect. It is just so perfect. It perfectly summarizes how awkward I was. And I guess to answer your question, first of all, I don't even, I think my mom probably would have looked at me and thought I looked cute. She probably wouldn't right. even have understood. Yeah. The fact that I was wearing out of style clothing, I couldn't do my hair right. I just don't think she would thought of me yet in right. that way or something. Um, so I'm not even sure that she, it would have occurred to her that anything was amiss or I needed help with that. Right. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, there isn't any way. Like you can help a kid do their hair, but they're still going to feel weird about themselves. I mean, right. I, I guess that I, I wish it would have been nice. I think I think that's something I'll be a little more forward thinking about. Like, oh. You might want to brush your hair. And I am a little yeah. weird about like, I let my kids kind of do their own thing as far as hairstyles and stuff go. But there does come a point where I'm like, you just, you got to do something. You look like right. a shaggy dog. You got to, right. let's go get you a trim. Right. So right. I guess this doesn't really answer your question though. Well, I guess, yeah, no, but like, as you see, as you see the changes happening, whether it's right. like acne or like weight, like getting big and gangly yeah. all of a sudden or weight gain, like. I, I would think that you'd have to set aside your own ego yes. and like your kid's going to look awkward, but so is everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just sort of yeah. very gently be there for if they kind of want, want to do something appearance wise, or if they need something to take care of their skin or, or if they right. want a new hairstyle, yeah. but that's got to be a balance that you'd have to learn, I would guess. Well, my boys all share a bathroom upstairs and I just have like acne medicine and stuff just on the counter that they can okay. all use. I don't, I never really made a big deal about it. It's just out. Um, 
And the other things that I'm, you know, I do remind them about showering and deodorant because they don't always smell themselves. Yeah. And I will be not brutal, but I find that they're going to, they just know me and they're going to know if I try to be like super sensitive, like, um, honey, it's time that we sat down and talked about personal hygiene. If I'll just walk in the room and be like, someone smells, you all need showers. Like I'll, I'll be very direct about that because I think it doesn't really do any good to beat around the bush about that, especially because I have to say it a lot. Right. <laughs> I have to give them a lot of reminders, especially in the summer, because they're not on that routine now where yeah. they're showering in the morning every morning. It's like they yeah. sometimes let it go. And I'll say, hair needs washing. Yeah. Do that now. <laughs> For a while, they were all just washing their hood conditioner because I guess they didn't bother to read the bottles. Oh. <laughs> like, we didn't know. And I was like, it says it, like, right on the bottle. But so their hair, all of them, like, it took me, like, a week to figure it out. But I was like, why does everyone look terrible? Like, everyone's hair is all... <laughs> It's like all limp and greasy and they're like, oh yeah, I went to ask you, what is this stuff? Like that's conditioner (laughs) that doesn't even clean it. So I don't know. Yeah. I I find that a mix of like gentle, but realistic and kind of funny. Yeah. And probably like, like lower key comments more often Mm -hmm. rather than like you said, saving up for some big, awkward, embarrassing talk. Yeah. And I'm not Um, like you all are terrible. Like you stink and no girls will ever want to date you. And you know, it's not like that. Like, it's just like, Hey shower right here's some soap um do you feel like there has been any self-consciousness with regard to appearance or do you think that that is more of a girl thing I mean I know it's all different but I think it's uh no I I there is I think boys don't express it as much but I see them checking themselves out in the mirror and yeah trying to decide if they're good looking kids you know I mean (laughs) I I, yeah it's there it just there's like fewer ways it manifests in boys I think it's like they don't they like they like to have clothes that look good, but they don't really care so much about their wardrobe. They don't really, there's only so much they can do with their hair. So yeah. there's been a little vanity on that stuff. But. Well, I'm sure there's some tie to like peer acceptance and friendships. It's got to be a t- more toned down version than yes. what girls go through. I, also, I would have to believe. Like, I also in terms think, of, yeah. yeah, I think also my boys are way more willing to look really goofy mm-hmm. and unattractive even in like pictures you know William you know is uh, I think I've mentioned before is convinced he's going to be like an Instagram star which I think is hilarious because everything he puts up is just like everybody else's stuff that they all put up but in his pictures with his friends they'll look goofy and they'll just look like kids they look like kids messing around I I don't imagine I can't see Clara doing that if she had an Instagram account which I don't think I'll let her have one because I think it would take over Mm -hmm. I think she would just be obsessed with it Mm -hmm. um everything would be very staged she would make sure her hair was perfect and every, and she's seven and I, we're already there, you know? Yeah. So, um, I do think it's a lot more pronounced with girls and I, I just think with the boys, they're just a little more willing to just kind of look bad. Right. At least my particular boys. Right. So, so, yeah. okay. So my next question is sort of a big general one, but do you feel like with the increase in independence and the bigger school and the more diverse school population, do you feel like you're, middle schoolers were kind of all of a sudden exposed to a whole bunch of things that they, and you, I don't think, I mean, you're not overly sheltered about what your kids are exposed to, but I know when I went to junior high, I saw things that I had just not seen before. It wasn't because I was like kept in a dark closet. It was just my world got a lot bigger. And my junior high was very socioeconomically diverse with all kinds of colorful groups of people. And there was, I mean, there was like some violence in my junior high. Like there were fights. I I mean, I saw fist fights for the first time. I saw, you know, kids making out in the hallway for the first time. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. 
So um, is that something you've tried to be proactive about or wait till it comes up or there's nothing you can do about it really. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. I'm sure it's happening. Um, I don't see it, you know, like I, they don't talk about it with me. That's one thing about middle schoolers. I think that they quickly figure out what they want to talk to their parents about and what they don't. And in my case, they don't want to talk to me about that. Um, and I mean, we haven't had like that. I think the teachers here are pretty good about cracking down on like hallway making out and, um, I haven't words. heard about a fight. I, I was like, no, I feel like I, you know, when I was in high school or middle school, there was stuff I saw too. Where I was like, Oh, I can't unsee that. Um, I remember actually being in seventh grade and reading some really dirty joke that I didn't understand. Right. And then going around and telling that joke <laughs> to like everybody and everyone's laughing. So I was like, but I didn't understand the joke. And then later when I found out what it meant, I was totally horrified. But, um, I mean, I guess when it comes down to like learning stuff, that you didn't know before. Here's one thing I will say. I think that kids talk about that stuff a lot more frankly now with more adults and just a lot earlier than Mm -hmm. they did when we were little. So by the time my kids have gotten to sixth grade, they've all had several years of sex ed. They all know about sex, whether I told them first or whether a brother told them first or they learned about it in school first. It almost doesn't really matter. They all know. And they're very open about asking me questions. Like there's never been it's just not as awkward as I thought right. it was going to be. Um, if anything, I almost wish I'd brought it up yeah. earlier in a more casual way just because then it would be out of the way. But yeah. it hasn't really been – it has not been an issue. Like, it's just not been a thing. And um, so I wouldn't say, like, suddenly they come back from middle school and they're, like, you know, look shell-shocked. Right. Like, that they saw ghosts or something. It's just more like a gradual yeah. increase of awareness of certain okay. things. And I think if there's any encouragement – there for parents of like elementary age kids, it's that there, it's going to happen. Like, I don't actually remember being very traumatized. I can remember. So we had, there was a lot of like fights, like big, yeah. you know, like kind of semi-dangerous. I remember thinking between. that was awesome when that happened when I was Well, in school. I remember <laughs> thinking it was a little thrilling in yeah. school, but then there was a park across from school where you would hear that kids were oh. going. It sounds like something out of like an after school special, but you would hear that everybody was going there right after the last bell right. to watch a fight. And that I remember scaring me a little bit. I think because it was off of school grounds. It was uncontrolled. It yeah. W- yeah. The ones that broke out in the hallway, I also kind of, it felt like something exciting happened actually. But um, so I guess the point is I was, you know, I was pretty, naive is not the right word. I just hadn't been exposed to uh, all that much of that stuff up close. But yeah. I also don't remember being traumatized by it. It was no, like, I don't all remember right, either. Yeah. here we are. Here we like, are. Yeah. This is junior high. So I guess if you're raising a secure kid who generally feels safe, who knows that they can ask questions of adults right. they trust, whether it's, you know, bullying or sex or mm-hmm. peer pressure, like worrying about the exposure is maybe not, not such a big deal. It's yeah. making sure that they have the tools to deal with the exposure. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, there's, there's. A lot, a lot of things have changed. And one of the things that unfortunately has changed is that kids are getting into stuff a lot younger than they were when we were at least across the board than when we were kids, you know, you hear about stuff happening on buses and kids having sex really young. Um, my experience has been that my boys have still been pretty awkward around girls at this age. It's not something I'm worried about, but I also think that the good, the positive side is I just think all education professionals are a lot more forward thinking about that stuff now and it's being dealt with a lot younger. And so the kids are a little more worldly, but I think they're also just more prepared, which is, I think is a good thing. That is actually, yeah, that's a great upside. If there's an upside is that nobody can afford to sit on their laurels. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm not downplaying it because I know it does happen in, in right. schools in the age of, you know, first um, interactions and sexual experiences has gotten a lot younger. But I just think there's also a way for them to know about it with, without doing it. Like there's a way for them yes. to be knowledgeable about it um, without engaging in it. And there's totally. a, yeah. And I think just that, like, I don't think most 12 year old kids want to be having sex. Like right. I remember at 12 being very interested in it yeah. as a concept, yeah. but having no yeah. desire to yeah. have anyone touch me in any way. Like it was something I wanted to like watch movies about or like yeah. hear kind of like stories about and stuff, but I didn't want any part of it. And I think most 12 year olds are probably the same yeah. way. So what they need is to know that they can get themselves out of a situation right. if they need to. And and that, you know, whether it's about sex or drugs or alcohol or anything else, that's been one of the things, like, I've tried to teach my kids not, here, this platform is evil, don't use it, or I'm going to check up on all your technology, or what, right. not that I wouldn't if I felt that I had to, right. but more like, you always can leave a situation if it doesn't feel good, because right. that's going to apply to everything. Right, exactly. And or you can always call me, you no can matter what. You can always call me, exactly. Yeah. Um, and just kind of like trusting that and, right. you know, like I think that that can start earlier when you let them choose their own friends. And if there's someone that they don't feel good about hanging out with and, you know, then respect that. Um, yeah. And that can be difficult. We've talked about a little bit about yes. that. Yeah. So um, uh, I, I think this is a good time to mention that I feel very strongly that the the crowds of kids who are doing X, Y, Z bad behavior, it's sometimes assumed that it's in bigger public schools or yeah. it's in schools with this kind of a population and that if you keep your kids to a small private or right. sheltered environment that it's not going on and I think I do have the benefit of having grown up in a kind of a strange environment where there was uber uber wealthy there was very socioeconomically disadvantaged all smushed together mm. and the truth is that kids like kids will find a way to do bad stuff no matter how yes. small and protected their school is, no matter what kind of background. It's kind they of their from. job at that point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so. And so I, I do feel like there starts to be this panic about, well, I want I want my kids to go to a religious school because yeah. it's not gonna be there, or a small school because it's not gonna be there, or a, a really liberal school because yeah. that you know, and I just feel like it, it's everywhere. It, yeah, you can't. You, you have can't to just know your own that, kid. Right? You, you can't just, outrun that. Yeah, you have to know your own kid, but really, it is it is everywhere. I mean, it, it can be elevated. I remember actually, um, uh, when I was younger, my mom making comments about really wealthy schools and how those kids were, had access to like better drugs. I mean, yeah. so it, for her, that yeah. would not have been a actually kind of liked the fact that, that we were both more rugged people. I guess you know. No, that was. I mean, my high school was a public high school with all different levels, but the craziest drugs were with the kids who had the most money. Yeah, for absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I, you're right that you can't necessarily shelter it away. Um, I did want to mention one more thing before we yeah. wrap this topic up because this is something I know like a lot of jokes have been made about, and a lot of people have asked me like, "What's it like raising boys?" Like you know, when they get to that age. And I have to say, maybe I'm just really unobservant. Um, I also stay out of my boys' rooms because I have no desire to know what's going on in there. But like what happens in their bed at night when they're alone up there, I don't know. I don't want to know. And so far, there's been no evidence like presented to me. They just wash their sheets every now and then. Good <laughs> and, I, and I just keep my nose out of it because I don't want to know. And it doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like they have, they're entitled to their privacy as long as yeah. the room's not disgusting and they don't have food up there Yeah, with animals getting into it and stuff. Um, they just, they kind of work that out for themselves. Right. And 
Maybe that sounds like way too hands off. I already know they know the mechanics of it. Right. <laughs> so that's good enough for me. Yeah. No, I yeah. think that's, I think that's good. <laughs> Awkward. You went there. I went there, but I knew I knew people at home were like, oh, is she going to go there or not? So, yep, I went there. Well, you have four boys, so right, if anyone exactly. is qualified to it's go top there. Of mine. Yes, absolutely. Um, the social media, I think we are going to wrap up in a minute, but it reminded me that two episodes ago when we picked our kids' ages out of yes. a hat, we ended up on a pretty productive conversation about social media use and phone use for, yeah. it was when you were talking about William, who's 12. Yes. So we kind of we kind of skirted around that this time, but we had a really good discussion about it um, in episode sixty one that I'll link to in the show notes because that it just happened that that's kind of what we talked about when we talked about yeah. twelve year olds. Yep. Um, is there anything else you want to add on that? I feel like we did a pretty good job. No, of, I think we. Yeah. yeah. Your I, your social media philosophy. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, and it'll keep changing. I mean, I know right. things are going to be different by the time Owen and Clara are in middle school. There'll be something else to worry about, and I'm just right. trying to stick to the basics. Yeah. myself so no, that's great yeah um actually that is a really good segue I feel like I need to tell people how I predicted the next big social media trend in you my did, dream the in other night dream. I texted Megan and I I said I had a dream that I joined Snapchat finally and it wasn't a bad dream in the dream it was like okay well I'm just gonna you know it's summertime I have a little more time I'm just gonna play around and see if I like this Snapchat thing and it was a pretty detailed dream about that I woke up I texted you that I had that dream. And then yep. that day, I think it was later that day, Instagram rolls out stories, which yep. if you're an Instagram user, um, you might have seen. I am actually really liking watching the stories. I'm kind of into it. It makes me really glad I didn't try and bother to learn Snapchat because my sis, my much younger sister and other people have said it is pretty similar, but it's right in the platform that I already that happen like. to love and yeah. use. So I'm very curious. I might start playing around with it a little bit on the Mom Hour on our um, Instagram account for the Mom Hour, which you guys can find it just at the Mom Hour. So don't laugh at me if I'm experimenting. But I, it's kind of fun. It's like a little window into people's lives, and I don't know why it seems so, a little different. Okay, so, yeah. so I have to ask. I okay. I was a Snapchat failure. I've downloaded <laughs> the app twice. I've tried it. I don't get it. So what I. What I don't understand about stories is the ones that I'm seeing at the top of, you know, and if you're not yeah. familiar with that is now you're suddenly seeing people's icons at the top of your feed. That's yeah. the stories. In like a horizontal row of circles. Yeah. Yep. When I'm going, maybe people just aren't doing their stories very well, but when I'm going to them, I'm only seeing one picture. So is it just that they're not, they're not figuring people, it out? Yeah. It, it's probably different. So I, um, you probably have access to the mom hours account, but I am the one who manages it more. You should hop on there because the mom hour, we happen to have a community of more like blogging, social media type people. Yeah. And so when you watch the stories of people who are, they're probably were good at Snapchat in the first place, or they're just <laughs> jumping on this bandwagon. But what you can do basically is you can do, you can do images or video and you can string together a bunch or just do one or two. I would say the good stories string together two or three, like very short videos. In fact, I think the video feature caps you at like six seconds, but you can string a few of those together um, and you swipe, this is the Snapchat thing, right? Like swiping left or right, but right. I never bothered to learn, but you do that. So say one starts and it's not somebody you really know, or you don't care. You can just swipe right and see the next one. And sometimes they're one second long. I like the ones that are video because they are pretty like authentic and like, you know, just remind me of like, I don't know, just like podcasting in a way. So like the point some- is that it's a collection. It's a collection and, and it, it goes away. It disappears it goes away. after 24 hours. And people do use the, like the graphic features, like you can write with your finger. It doesn't have all the oh, fancy yeah, I like, filters I like that, that. That's fun. That Snapchat does, but um, they'll add that at some point, I'm sure. 
And then, yeah, I'm sure they will. And then the other thing that's kind of cool is um, if someone if someone wants to comment, they're actually sending you a direct reply on your story. Oh, okay. And you see it, and you can chat back and forth with them, and that part's all private. So I follow a podcaster and blogger Ooh. named Sarah Bagley, who has a show kind of like I ours, conversational, and she was trying it out right away. And I just wrote to her, because I'd heard that it was private, and I was like, good for you for figuring this out. And she wrote back right away. So it's kind of a fun little... Like, especially if you're following people that you don't necessarily know in person, but it's more of like, you know, somebody you admire or you can send them a little message. I don't know. I kind of cool. like it. I'm kind of into it. Well, I'll try. I'll, it. I'll stop, you know, rolling my eyes and try it out then, Sarah. Well, you can roll your eyes because I don't <laughs> Who knows? But I just, I want to say for the record that I dreamt about Snapchat and then actually. She predicted the future. Yeah. I did. I'm the Nostradamus of social media. And I dreamed about blog her, but I dreamed that there was an awards. <laughs> yeah. It's the same night, I think, or maybe the next yes. night. Yes, it was. I dreamed that there was an awards show and Hamilton won in every yes. category. Well, it probably would. Yes, even if it had nothing to do with blogging. So pretty awesome. Oh, all right. Well, hey. this has been fun. I guess we'll wrap up. And anything else we need to say no, before just, we go? Um, head over to themomhour.com. If you're listening to this before Wednesday, the 10th of August, go enter that giveaway. Again, you'll enter that on last week's episode, which is 62. Um, but all the show notes for this episode will be at episode 63 at themomhour.com. And I would also love for us to do another episode um, with someone's question soon. So please send your questions yeah. to us via SkatePipe. It's just at themomhour.com in the sidebar. It's very easy to figure yeah, out. Yeah, we love it. So yes, fun. Love it, love it. All, all right, right. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hey everyone, Sarah here. Megan and I would absolutely love it if you hit pause right now, right where you're listening, and left the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, that's one of the absolute biggest ways you can thank us. And it really takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, just navigate to the Mom Hour's show listing. So not the episode you're listening to right now, but the kind of landing area for our show as a whole, and then scroll down to leave a rating or review. Thank you so much.